go to the Gospel of St. Luke, chapter 17, uh, verses 11 through 19. I'd invite you to stand as soon as you found it. Uh, we read a couple of verses. Well, we'll say our declaration first, read a couple of verses. I'll pray and we will get into, into the Word. Amen? May I invite you to hold your Bibles up as we say our declaration. This is God's word, not Pastor Ray's word. I am what it says I am. I can do what it says I can do. I can be what it says I can be. I will have what it says I can have. Today, I will hear the word of God. I boldly declare that my mind is alert. My heart is receptive. My ears are opened. And I better not go to sleep. I will never be the same. In Jesus' name. Amen. Alright, so we read. Well, you'll read with me, right? And then I may stop you read. Uh, it's on the screen. Maybe you have a different translation. So we read from the screen. Uh, one, two, three, go. He passed through the midst of Samaria and Galilee. Who stood afar off. And they lifted up their voices and said, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. So. were cleansed. One of them He said to him, Arise, go your way. Your faith has made you well. Father, thank you for today. We thank you for this word. We commit this time into your hands. Spirit of the living God, we depend on you now that you will speak through me from this word. Speak to the hearts of your people. Cause transformation and change to come. As we listen today. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. So for the next couple couple of minutes. Um, I'll talk with you from the subject. Because of our hearts. Because of our hearts. Do you know or realize that humans are strange people. I see some smiles. That means it's not me alone see it. Praise the Lord. We, we, we are strange. We are, we, are, we are so hard to figure out that it, it surprises you. you. You'd wonder that you see somebody behave one way today, but the next time you see them, you wonder if it's the same person you saw the last time because 
the difference in, in the behavior is, is so far apart that you wonder what could have changed, what could have caused such a big difference. But then it's because we are strange, we are strange creatures. We, we have uh, physically, you see, two eyes with nose, mouth, hands, feet. We, we physically, we, 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 for the most part, we get the same features. But what caused us to behave different is, is not really what you see on the outside. It's, it's our heart. So that's the, the, the topic. Because of our hearts. We say things, we do things, we behave in ways that sometimes is good and appropriate, and sometimes it's not. And if we are to ever get to a place where we become predictable, it's because we have changed hearts, and it is changed because of the same reason, same motivation. That The Bible has a lot to say about our hearts. I'll read just a couple of verses, um, different, different places of the Bible. The first one is Genesis 6 and verse 5. It says, Then the Lord saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth, and that every intent of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. And then from Matthew 12, 35, 34 and 35, Jesus said, Brother of vipers, how can you, being evil, speak good things? For out of the abundance of your heart, the mouth speaks. A good man, out of the good treasure of his heart, brings forth good things. And an evil man, out of the evil treasure, brings forth evil things. Matthew fifteen eighteen to 19 says, These people draw near to me with their mouth and honor me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. For out of the heart proceeds evil thoughts, murders, adulteries, fornications, thefts, false witness, and blasphemies. So again, the topic is because of our hearts. As the story is told of a man who was lost in the woods. Later, while he was describing the experience, he told how frightened he was and how he had even knelt down and prayed. Someone asked, did God answer your prayer? He said, oh no. Before God had a chance, a guide came along and showed me the way out. You're supposed to get the joke. It's supposed to laugh. With you, right? so, so while he prayed, he did not ascribe him being phoned by the guide to God answering his prayer. He said God didn't get a chance to answer because the guide came first. Isn't it though like us, people, that we often ascribe the things we have, the things that happens to us, to our own skills, education, or the people who are around us. I, I shared earlier of a story. This is true story. I was coming from a church meeting, a convention in Clarendon some years ago, driving back to St. Anne, and I saw a tire past my car going up the road. And I thought, whoa, somebody's tire fell off. Shortly after, I felt the back of my car dipped and start to serve, and, and I, you know, muscled up, and I pulled off the road, parked up, 
And I thought to myself, whoa, I had a good driving teacher. But in my heart, I felt the Lord saying, how can you be giving that teacher the credit for me just saving your life? And truly, it was three of us in the car. We literally had worship service from Old Arbor to St. Anne because I realized that if it hadn't been for God, I might not have been here today. But oftentimes, things happen to us and we believe that it's because of how skilled we are, how well we were taught, or because of who we know. But most times, and I want to say most, I should say all the times, not true. God is working behind the scene, like the song earlier on. Even when we don't see it, God is working. But we sometimes want to take the credit for it, or we want to pass it on to somebody else. So the, the, the things we have and we take for granted, we, 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 we may complain about the jobs we have when there are people who are not working. We may complain about how much pay we get while there are others who are getting none at all. At, at all. So, so while we have something to complain about, there are others who don't have it at all. So we should still be grateful for even the small check because some people get no check. Amen? We have to still be thankful. So yes, you could do well with some more. But give thanks. You're getting. There are others who don't have. You, you may not be getting a lot, but there are people who have less than you and they're surviving. There are people who are trying to make ends meet with a whole heap less than what you have. And guess what? Many times, they are more grateful than you are. You, you'll be surprised to see how some people are grateful and joyful with the little things they, they're making things work out with. I want to tell you that the difference is, like I said earlier on, our hearts make the difference. We, we complain. I heard, a, I heard a preacher said this. He was in the army as an officer, and he was making a lot of money as an army officer. He left and he joined the private sector, and he kept asking God for more money. And he said one day, 10 years after he left the army, he found a pay stub from his last check in the army. And he said he broke down in tears because he realized that what he was getting at that day, 10 years later, is 10 times more than he was getting in the army. But he was still saying, God, I want more. So, so an army officer, the officer, you get a little bit more money than the other soldiers. Right? Anybody know about army pay, not you? You get a little bit more money than the regular soldiers if you're an officer. But then, 10 years later, he realized that what he was getting at that point was 10 times more than he was getting then. But he was still crying out to God that I want more. This is not enough. He, he cried because he realized he was being ungrateful. That's him checking on his heart. Amen? So from the, the, the text I read, I want to bring out three points that, that shows how it works for, for, the, for, the, for the persons in the story and also want to relate it to how we can also see ourselves in the same story. All right? So it starts out by saying Jesus was traveling. He was on a journey. So my first point is the journey. He said he's traveling and he encounters 10 leprous men who cried out to him for mercy. 
Leprosy rendered a man ceremonially undefiled, or defiled, sorry, so that if he was healed, he still had to go to the priest and carry out an extensive ritual of cleansing before he would be accepted back into the religious community and worship. So this, this is a custom from the Old Testament. In the book of Leviticus, chapter 14, from verse 1 to 9, it kind of lists what happens when you are leprous and if you are cleansed, what you should go through before you are allowed to go back inside. So to make it short, right? If you had leprosy, you were isolated. We, we know that word from COVID, right? You had to be taken out of the community and you are locked outside the gate. Yeah? Because the fear of you contaminating the rest of the community was too high. So you were quarantined on the outside. If you got better, if you got healed, then you have to go to the priest. In our day, there will be doctors who will say, yes, you are now okay to go back to work and to go back you know, mixing with everybody else. So, so they were outside. Saw Jesus and shouted to him from afar off. Because remember, if you are unclean, it is illegal for you to go close to anybody who would have been clean people then. So they had to shout across, Jesus, have mercy. Jesus instructed them that they should go to the priest. So this is now Jesus saying, use the law, the principle that governs people who have leprosy and are cured. So he said, go to the priest. So he didn't touch them. He didn't pray for them. He didn't say that you are healed. He just instructed them, go to the priest. Now here is Jesus telling somebody, go to the priest to show him that you will get better. But physically, they still had all the evidence that they had leprosy. So, so, so if it was you know, 2022, we would argue, why should I go when you don't touch me yet? Why should I go when I don't see the signs that I'm better yet? Why should I go when I still feel like I'm sick? I still look like I'm sick. Why should I go? Because this is the place where if you get better, this is where you go. But he's saying to them, go and show yourself to the priest. Now the Bible said they went. So they acted in obedience, faith of obedience that is saying, all right, if the master said, we're going to do it. How many times we argue with Jesus? Anybody? Not, not, no? I see one hand, praise the Lord. Anybody has argued with Jesus? Because sometimes we do. Sometimes we figure, but, but this don't make any sense. But, but many times, that's what we do. But, but they, these guys, 10 of them, they did not argue. They went. The point that we must get is that if Jesus tell them to go to the priest, he was indicating that they were better. Because to go to the priest is after you're better, you see the priest. So as they walked towards the priest, the better started to show up. Alright? As they, as they journeyed towards the priest, the better. They start to get better. They start to see evidence of the curing of the, of the disease. But if they had moved, then today we would still hear about 10 men who died of leprosy. But, but they walked and they got better. Amen? We too have received mercy. 
Anybody testify that you have received mercy? Praise the Lord. I see a few hands. Wonderful. So, so we have mercy. We have been given mercy. And we too are sent on a journey. We are walking towards maturity. We are walking towards perfection. And it is as we journey like these guys, we are going to be getting better. So it's not that you get saved today and you are cured all of a sudden. You have to go through the process. That is why sometimes you still curse. Anybody not? You have to curse sometimes? No? Is me one? Oh, yeah, man, I see some nodding. Sometimes you still swear. Sometimes you still say something that you know you shouldn't. But the change don't happen yet. You know, finish com- the completion of the change. If they don't complete, so you're still going through that phase. You still behave wrong sometimes, right? Not, not, yeah, wonderful. This side, not, not. You still behave wrong oftentimes because it's a journey towards perfection. Now, I want to ask, I see some senior citizens, so I want to ask, anybody perfect yet? No, I see nobody. Let me make sure I put up my hand before you think I think you know, I'm in it. I'm not. You're not either, right? Because we are still on the journey. And it is as we walk, as we journey, we get better as the days go by. No, we should be getting better. If we're not getting better, if you're still the same place you were five years ago, then you might need to come up, stop, the pastor lay hands on you and see if we can, you know, cast out, cast out something, right? But, but we are journeying towards perfection. That's the journey. The second thing that I want to point out is, it's a process. It's a process. In bracket, I have, the race is not for the swift. This verse says, but for those who can endure, it's, it's journeying. So you don't stop partway, you keep on the journey. Because if these guys hadn't reached the priest, then we wouldn't know that they were healed. The, the priest had to certify that they were cured. The priest had to, you couldn't just, because there is no sign. And, and can I tell you that we see this with COVID? That people who just stop coughing or the smell come back, they figure they're okay. And that they, they believe that they can go back to work. But, but where I work, you have to come back with a document that the doctor says, yes, you are ready to be reintegrated or you can't come back. Because we can't take your word for it because maybe you just get tired of staying at home. And you want to come out of quarantine. You want to come out of isolation so you come back out. But like then, no, you must come back with proof, evidence that the doctor say you are better and it's time to go back into the society. Amen? So verse 14, the second part of verse 14, it says, And so it was that as they went, they were cleansed. And one of them, when he saw he was healed. That's the second part of verse 14. So, so what if they had not obeyed and, and went and moved? They would still have leprosy today. But they responded in obedient faith, and as they walked, the process kicked in. Just for us, like us, we have to walk for the process to kick in. We have to do the journey for the process to, to kick in. They knew they were healed because the priest said, yes, I am seeing the signs that you no longer have the disease. Like us, we get saved, 
And we know that we are saved because we are following the biblical guideline as to how somebody gets saved. That means if you are one of those people who believe in rituals to get saved, you might miss what the Bible said. No, I don't smile. We, we have to be saved based on how the Bible says. We come to faith in Jesus Christ. He is the substitution for our sin. He paid the price for our sins. And now we have been made right with God because of what he did. That's how we get saved, right? Jesus died in our place and we get salvation because of what he did. So we get saved. Now, here's why it is important to know that you are saved. The enemy sometimes tell you that you're not. People tell you that you're not. I have friends who gave me two weeks, and then they moved to four weeks, and then they moved to five, and they say, all right, give him six months, and then they moved to a year, and they kept giving me time to figure, no, man, this won't last, but, but I'm going a couple of years now, and while I still have some rocky part on the journey, I'm still on the journey. Amen? But it's because you, you have to be convinced that you're saved. No, I've, I've always said it this way. Because I know what I used to do, how I used to behave, and know it is not so nice to behave the way that it feels bad to just think wrong, much more to behave wrong. Then I realized that some change is taking place on the inside. So I'm not what I used to be. I, I, I might look the same way, but, but I'm not. I behave totally different from I used to behave. So I know that change is taking place on the inside. Now, if you don't have that conviction, the first sign of a mess up, you might tell yourself this thing not working out, and you turn back. You give up. You throw in the towels. But you have to be convinced that you are saved and that you are on the journey with Jesus. And the longer you stay, the more diligent you are in the process, then the change will take place over time. My next question to you is, how long did you think it, it took for this man to get there? The Bible didn't give us a specific day time. But when you look at the Old Testament um, customs, it was at least a week. At least one week because the ritual meant he had to go to the priest, sacrifices made. He would move, would be moved from the outside of the, the community to the inside, but not yet at home. So like outside the gate, to inside the gate, but still not home yet. And when the priest check him a couple of days later and say, yes, you still look like you're okay, then he gets to go home. It's at least seven days. Could be more, but at least seven days. Now for us, it could be seven years, it could be 40 years, it could be, it could be 50 years, because the journey continues. Like, like earlier, nobody nod that they were there. It means we're all still growing and learning. Now, some of us would have been five years, some is 10 years, some is 30 years, depending on where we are. But we're still not there yet. I, I can promise you that even if you've been saved for 30 years, you wake up sometimes and still do something wrong. You still say something bad. You still think something bad because the journey continues. As a matter of fact, as a matter of fact, if you ever believe that you reach and you stop praying and stop studying the Bible and stop going to church, 
you find yourself going right back to where you used to be before the journey started. So you can't stop the diligence. You have to keep the diligence reading, studying, and praying as you travel because that is how the change takes place. All right? We have to put the material in for the Spirit of God to work, to work with. Amen? Point number three, the evidence. From verse 15 to verse 19, it says, And one of them, when he saw that he was healed, returned and with a loud voice glorified God and fell down on his face at his feet, giving thanks, and he was a Samaritan. So Jesus answered and said, Were there not ten cleansed? But we are the nine. Were there not any phone who returned to give glory to God except this foreigner? And he said to him, Arise, go your way. Your faith has made you well. In the, in the King James Version, it says, Your faith has made you whole. Question is, what do you believe caused him to return to show appreciation? Heart. His heart. Ten people got got. got Ten of them were sent on the ministry. Some of them, they, they prayed. Ten prayed together. Have mercy on us. All ten were sent to the priest. But one came back from the priest. Now, like I said, it's days passed. So, so maybe these guys were excited to go home to get back close to their family. And everything matter. But, but one person figured, let me go back to say thanks first. Before I go home. Now, now usually... It must be in your heart to be, to be thankful. And I can promise you that not all of us in here are thankful people. Uh, if I use the, the, the number from the scripture, I can count 10 and pick one, count 10 and pick one. But, but we're not, we're not. And here's, we, this is something that we grow in as we, as we grow in grace. We're not all grateful, we're not all humble, we're not all polite, we're not, we're not, we don't all have it. But as we grow in grace, these virtues are added to us. And, and, and thank God I see some nodding, right? Because then you might think I'm picking on people. But what truth is, some of us don't, don't have that pleasant side um, innately. Is, is as we're growing in grace, things start to change um, about us. And we, there are people who snap for anything. Just, just snap like a, 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 a pit bull. But as we grow, we start to become more, more mild and we start to behave different and treat things di- different, people different. It's in the growth process why our hearts change. So it is because of the condition of our hearts why we, we, we respond how we respond. Um, Charles Purgeon, he points out that while ten men prayed, only one praised. He says that even so, there are far more who are prone to pray in time of need than to praise God when he meets the need. And, and that's fact. Especially when things not going well, we pray. We, we were listening to our, to our um, lesbian um, um, audio a couple of weeks ago as, as men's ministry and, and he said that when he was diagnosed with some sickness he, he decided to pray harder than ever before he started to call upon everybody he knew he could call upon 
because he wanted to get better. That's, that's, that's people. When we are in a tight spot, when we are in trouble, we pray. We're looking for a way out. We even make deals with God. If you ever get me out of this one. Right? right? We, we try to bargain because we want this thing to be fixed. We want to, to get out of this. So we all pray. But then after we get what we prayed for, how many of us go back to say, God, we thank you for coming through. So it's a, it's, a, it's a hard problem. Oswald Chambers, he observed, the great difficulty spiritually is to concentrate on God. And it is his blessings that make it difficult. I want pause so you get it. I'll say it again. The great difficulty spiritually is to concentrate on God. And it is his blessings that makes it difficult. Many times, after we get blessed, we forget God. After we get what we wanted, we, we no longer focus on him. Troubles nearly always make us look to God. His blessings are up to make us look elsewhere. And that's, and that's reality. We, we, we want help and we cry out. But when we get help, sometimes we forget to say, God, thank you for coming through. And it is because of the condition of our hearts. Now, as, as Christians, as believers, what is supposed to happen for us is that we live from inside out. It is the heart that's supposed to propel how the outside, the outer man works. So we're living we're walking by faith and not by sight. You know the verse say that, right? We're walking from inside. We're living from inner man and it comes out of us. So that the verse I said earlier on, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. Out of the heart flows the issues of life. It is from inside that we are supposed to live out. But then if inside is not yet changed, it's going to be hard. It's going to be hard. All right? The, the next point I want you to realize is that because of this change in the man, he drew closer to Jesus. He initially shouted from afar, have mercy on me. But in this case, he came back and knelt at his feet and glorified God. Now, heart change produces relationship. Now, pay attention to the three words. And, and I'm, I'm going to, what, what's the word in, in, in literature? Your credit pastor Omar for this part, right? Three words that we want to note. He was healed, cleansed, and he was made whole. All right? Three words. Healed, as he went, he realized he was, he was cleansed, made healed, and thirdly, he was made whole. But the last one happened when he went back to worship. So he was made whole when he went back and bowed at Jesus' feet. That means the other nine got two of the three things. See it? Three things available. Cleansed, healed, made whole. The other nine went away with number two. When he came back and he bowed and he worshipped God so that he would have been given more than the others. Can I take it to us before we wrap it up? 
in 3 John verse 2, the Bible says, Beloved, I pray that you prosper in all things and be in health just as your soul prospers. So this is a prayer from John to a friend. Beloved, I pray that you prosper in all things and be in health just as your soul prospers. Many times we take this as a prayer for prosperity. But let me give you a little different look at it, right? Let's look at it like a mathematics formula. So the formula would say is, you prosper in all things, plus you prosper in health. So prosperity in all things, natural stuff, plus your health is equal to the prosperity of your soul. You do mathematics, right? So, prosperity of your, in you, your prosperity in all things, plus your prosperity in health, is equal to your soul's prosperity. That means, if your soul is not prospering, you're not prospering in all things, and you're possibly not prospering in health either. Get it? So, so in some cases, this is not really a good thing for some people. Because if there's no prosperity in the soul, it means we can expect you not to prosper in all things, nor in your health. So let's break down how, how it works, right? The soul has three parts. The mind, which we also call the heart, the will, and your emotions. All right? The mind... The will, the emotions. Now, the mind is the part that you think with. So, like the Bible says, as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. So, the thinking part takes place in the mind. The, the, the will is where you make decisions and choices. You choose from the will. Emotions would speak to how you feel. Um, happy, sad, joyful. Yeah, how you feel. Now, I believe that the work in unison, the will, for me, this is the whole me connecting, right? The will is in the middle. Intellect on one side, the mind, and the emotions on the other side. Now, everybody wants you to make a decision. God wants you to decide. Your parents want you to decide. Your teachers want you to decide. The devil wants you to decide. Everybody wants you to make a decision. Now, to get you to make a decision, they have to come through your mind, intellect, or your emotions. It is dangerous to make a decision from your emotions because you may not feel that way for very long. So, so if you're angry and make a decision, when you calm down, you're going to realize that, oh my God, what did I do? If you're happy and make the decision, when you calm down, you're going to still wonder, oh Lord, have mercy, what did I do? So the best place to decide from is from your mind, your intellect. Now, to make decisions from your intellect, you need knowledge, you need information. Now, information that you have so far would have been all your experiences from your little bit coming up. Some good, some bad, some wrong, some right. 
And you're using that to process things that happen before you can decide. So, 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 decision. You want to get married. That decision to make. How do you get to a decision? What, what do you process from? Do you, oh, I'm in love, in love. I'm, I'm, I'm like butterflies, stuff in my heart. And you say, yes, this is the one. Or do you process? Do you think it through? Um, we're connecting. Are we compatible? Is, is this person godly? Is, what does God say? Well, you know, we're processing based on what we know before a decision is made. If you're not processing properly, it means you're going to wake up and realize, Lord have mercy, I did something wrong. So emotions are not the best place to function from. All right? That, that we have that set, right? It is not safe to decide, make decisions, especially permanent decisions. It is not safe to make permanent decisions from how you're feeling. So we go back to the first one. Thinking about it. They're processing it. Now, if we are to make godly decisions, it means we have to get godly information. In, in, in computer, they teach G-I-G-O. Garbage in, garbage out. What are you putting into your mind? What are you putting into your intellect? The things we read, the things we watch, the, the, the conversations we entertain, all putting in information. Are they godly enough to make you make godly decisions? Because if not, then it possibly means that you're going to decide Let's call it from flesh. And the Bible says flesh is going to produce corruption. So So, so you have to be getting godly information in if you want to make godly decisions. Everything is from the heart. And it's because of our heart why we are where we are today. And it is because of our hearts why we are going to move to a better place or a worse place as we go forward. Remember, we are on a journey and a process is taking place and we have to stick through this process if we want to get to the end in a better spot. Amen? We don't know how long it will take for us to get there. I don't even know if we're going to get there. But the journey must continue. The process must continue and we allow God to do transformation and change in us. All right? So you might wonder, oh, we're going to do this. I only have one answer for you. It is get into the word. Get into the word. God's word is going to be that agent of change to transform how we think as we move from day to day. So, so read it. Listen it, study it. Say it one more time. Read it, listen it, study it. Keep getting God's word in. If, if you, I, I used to make it play while I got to sleep. So I wake up and listen it. I go back and sleep and wake up and hear it again. That, that kind of stuff. You ever, you ever sound like, I don't know if you tried, but sometimes when you wake up, it sounds like somebody talking to you from the scripture you're listening to. That, that's, that's sometimes how it comes off to me. Like it's me having conversation with somebody. I just play it while I sleep. Because you want the word in you. 
it, it helps with how you behave. I, I work at a school, and, and many times when the children have problems, and, and they try to say, but sir, how do you behave if somebody step on your shoes, or if somebody pick on you, or somebody hit you in the face? What do you do? And I'm saying, you can't use you and me you can't judge you and judge me with the same kind of standards because I'm not going to go violent. So, so I don't believe that you stepping on my shoes means I should fight you. I don't believe if you slap me, I should fight you automatically either. That, that's just me. Is is processing is where your heart is. No, that don't means I'm I'm going to make you throw me over the rail. So I might run, <laughs> you know, I might go inside and close the door, whatever. But, but it don't mean that I'm going to be silly. It just means I may not become that confrontational like some people are. And because you're processing, do you know the outcome? Do you know what may happen if you do that first? I, I have students who have court cases because they snapped at somebody's um, action. Children. And it's afterwards they're saying, if I didn't know, I said, mm, because you didn't think about it or you didn't process it correctly. So, so the information you're putting in, can I tell you this? That sometimes, or this generation, we have some music that they listen to that, that, that corrupts how they think. And so that is going to be the basis of how they decide. Seriously. So what we're putting in must be changed if we expect to behave different. So, 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 Pastor Omar would say this. It is not a matter of what's wrong or right. It is, is it the wisest thing to do? So, so nobody says not to listen to some reggae music. Nobody says don't listen to some dancehall music. But is it wise? Is it going to bring the result that you want afterwards? Because when you keep putting in garbage, the outcome is garbage. Automatic. What you put in is what you get out. What do you want to come out is a big question. Now that should determine what you're putting in. If you want garbage to come out, then okay, put garbage in. But if you don't want garbage to come out, you can't be putting in garbage. Because you can't, what them said, you can't plant corn and expect to reap peas. It, it don't work. It won't work in agriculture. It won't work in your life either. What you put in is what is going to come out. The solution for us, ladies and gentlemen, is get God's word in. Get it in. There was, a, there was an analogy some time ago where they put a, a little black coloring in a bottle of water. And they had it under pipe, pouring fresh water in. And after a time, it was all clean. Anybody ever see it? Try it when you go home. Put some black coloring or red coloring. Put some coloring in a bottle of water. And just put it under the pipe and keep the pipe running. After a couple of minutes, all clean water. That's what happens when we keep putting in God's word. We gradually get out the mess that we had before we started to read the word. It, more word got in the more mess come out. The more word go in, the more mess come out. And as you keep putting in the word, you're gradually getting cleaner and cleaner and cleaner. And your decisions will be better.
because you're taking out the corruption. You're taking out the sin. You're taking out the mess. That's what we want. All of us need to be producing better. But it is because of the condition of our hearts that will produce better in the long run. Amen? Bow your heads, please. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word. It is the entrance of your word that brings light. So God, I pray today in the name of Jesus that not only will we hear today's word, but, but God will we'll apply. We'll, we'll put it into, into practice. How we live, Lord God, how we represent you as believers will depend largely on the condition of our hearts. While you change our hearts, God, it is for us, it is our responsibility to put the word in. I pray that God, you will grant us new hunger, new thirst for your word. May we see it as the the air we breathe, the, the, the food we eat. May we see it so important, God, that we can't go a day without getting some word. May it become medicine for us, uh, supplements for us, that God, we will need the word to function better. Spirit of the living God, awaken the love for your word in the hearts of your people. And as we read, God, we may not understand But that's fine. You are the great teacher. And God, you will cause the word to become alive in our hearts. You will cause the word to find good soil in our hearts to grow. That God, we will process every situation based on what your word has to say about it. We are ambassadors for your kingdom. And God, for us to do this effectively, we we need to get the mind of Christ. And to get your mind, Lord God, we need your word. Help us. Help us to desire your word. Help us to, to, to long for and to love and to treasure your word. To grasp every opportunity, Lord God, to, to hear to hear your word. We thank you today and we give you praise in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Come on, put your hands together. Hallelujah. For Jesus. We thank God for the obedience of Pastor Ray. As we close this one, I'm going to ask you to jump to your feet. I hope you receive that word. The journey begins with cleansing. Amen. The process is a process of healing of our hearts. And here's the thing. We get to a place of wholeness. And that place of wholeness is at the feet of Jesus. Where it's a deeper relationship. So let your hearts be, hearts be cleansed by him. 
and be healed in your heart. That's the process. We're not there yet, but we stay on the journey and we remember who sent us. It is him and we come back to him. Amen. Behold in Jesus' name. Come on, just jump to your feet and give the Lord a big shout of praise. We want to thank you for coming. We want to thank you for joining us for this worship service. God loves you no matter what. Listen, if you never, ever, ever, ever visit a church again in the rest of your life, God still loves you. And that's a good thing. There's nothing you can do to change his love for you. And if you don't remember anything, walk out of here knowing that. That you have a father that loves you more than anyone else could ever love you in this world. Come on, put your hands together for Jesus. We love to call him.